1: What's going on everybody and welcome back to the Rule of Three Podcast where I myself, Robert Schmitz, Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson are coming together after finally getting to watch the film of the Bears Packers game to break down what happened as at as low a level as we can while also talking about what it means for the Bears season and their future excited to have y'all along Danny Brandon how are y'all doing today
2: good one step closer to a uh, future quarterback it wasn't really anything that we didn't expect we uh we told you guys to bet on the Bears I hope you guys made a bet on the Packers excuse me hope you guys made
1: some money off the Bears Danny how about yourself
3: oh we're good except for the dog losing its mind in my apartment right now
1: it's okay I think the dog just understands the state of the Bears right now. Well,
3: I, I mean, I, I when I was rewatching the game film on Game Pass, um, I actually had my dog throwing up in the bathroom after the first Mitch interception. It was great. Oh. She just couldn't help it. She she was throwing up, and I'm gouging my eyes out with spoons. It's great. Well.
1: You know, it's it stinks the way this season is going. Though I do think it's been kind of funny to watch the temperature drop as the Bears uh, like season hopes do. Where like you're saying Brandon, the positivity here is that the Bears actually are jockeying decently for draft position with a whole lot of the teams that quote unquote they need to win. Actually, doing so. The football team won, the Patriots won, and plenty of others. We could go through the whole list, but that's not the focus of this podcast. I think what stuck out to me, we'll dive into the game review like you're hinting at, Danny. What stuck out to me the most is that Matt Lafleur game planned around not only the loss of Akeem Hicks, but a lot of Chuck Pagano's personal favorite defensive tendencies really, really well. And as I went back and watched the first couple of drives, what stuck out to me the most was that it didn't look like the Bears defenders were playing particularly badly. The Packers were just game planning well, taking advantage of holes in the defense. They kept creating that buster screen Devontae Adams matchup that let's just say it heavily favored the Packers and they took advantage of it as often as they could and also the Bears kept calling a lot of zone coverage. That uh, that touchdown to Devontae Adams in the first drive in particular stuck out to me. I'm curious to hear what y'all think about it where they dropped Quinn into coverage with only Mack and two others rushing the passer and Adams ended up making a play with six seconds to work with and no defense is going to stop a guy or stop a guy like Devontae Adams covering for six seconds but it was just a bummer to watch a good defense that we know is good get tested in all the different ways that it doesn't want to be and ultimately the Packers looked like a much better team for it and am I saying am I the only one seeing that
3: no I mean not at all no not really I mean it's kind of hard to not watch it and understand that they really were just going to attack Buster screen. They did it all game. like, And then there, I think there was a play I saw where, I'm trying to remember when, but it was like somehow, was it Danny Trevathan ended up one-on-one with Devontae Adams? And it's just like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Like that's They created the matchup. It's not anyone's fault, but that should never happen where Danny Trevathan's covering one of the 5-10 best receivers in the game by himself.
1: I know Brandon's talked a lot about that. Dear Brandon, do you want to explain how that happened?
3: Well,
2: the the problem is it's like it's it's zone coverage and it's just a simple drag route. So, I mean, you're going to you're going to have that matchup like quite often on, on that play design. Um but the problem was that Danny Trevathan just did not see it coming at all until so he reacted late. And once you react late to Devontae Adams coming on just a simple drag like it's just a step-for-step race and Devonte adams is gonna miss that i mean he's gonna win that 10 times out of 10 and it, it, it is funny because it reminded me similar to the matchup in i believe it was 2018 against the packers and again Devonte adams ran drag but this time it was against nick kukowski and so everyone was just quick to knock on nick kukowski but it's just like he's going to m- Devontae Adams is going to win that matchup 10 times out of 10 when when he gets a step on him. So, I mean, Danny Tevratin just has to react a little sooner.
1: Speaking of reacting a little sooner, one guy that I did think the Packers took to task all, or not all game long, but certainly in those first three touchdown drives, which may or may not have called the game as it was, just being candid about the state of the Bears offense, was Jalen Johnson. Uh, and it was it was sort of a bummer to watch, and it's not that Jalen necessarily played. Badly, But even going back to that first Devontae Adams touchdown and Brandon and Danny, you guys know a lot more about the actual essence of running zone coverage than I do. But it does look like Jalen Johnson kind of gets hung out on that uh, left side of the end zone and ends up kind of covering nobody and not necessarily watching any route because he just didn't pick up that Adams was going to run into space like he did as Aaron Rodgers lost the ball into the end zone. And the Packers actually seemed to test Johnson's tackling in particular on the first couple plays of the game, trying to get the ball to the sidelines and make the Bears defenders make tackles, which they actually struggled to do, which was a bummer because like Brandon's talked about, a good DB plays the ball in the air. They don't, or ideally, you don't need your DBs to make tackles, but in this case, the Packers built a game plan around it and were able to jimmy that for a good couple, or a nice a few chunks of yardage which not 15 20 yard chunks but hey against the Bears defense if you can get five to eight yards for free it's a good chunk of yardage and it helped them run the ball they certainly tore up the Bears defensive line without Hakeem Hicks that's it's not easy to do but it's definitely not as hard as it normally would be and it was I mean it was a clinic by LaFleur and the Packers one of their best offensive performances of the year
3: based on what I can see It's, I mean, it was an absolute just pantsing of Pagano, if that's a way to put it. I mean, and and it's no, like you kind of said, Robert, it's no fault of Jalen Johnson's. For a rookie, he's played marvelously. Eventually, you're going to have growing pains. And he just got, he just got taken behind the shed. It happens. It's not his fault. He's not a bad football player. He's not magically been one of the better defenders as a rookie in the NFL and now terrible because of one iffy, if not bad outing, like he just got kind of worked and it happened to the whole defense. Like, and it was one of those things that I wanted to kind of touch on is it was a popular thing on the timeline and to hear people like on, especially I I live in the city of Chicago, to hear people saying, well, they just really missed Akeem Hicks. The defense's problems this past game went far beyond the missing of 96 he, he he probably was missed more so than anything the first drive or two, but it wasn't like oh Akeem Hicks is back in the game and or say he's healthy for the game and all of a sudden everything's magically okay. Like no, they just got they got whipped. It happens.
1: They got beat, and yeah. Aaron Rodgers was basically mistakeless, which did not help anything. And on offense, I'll tell you guys one of the one of the biggest bummers that I saw. At least this stuck out to me. What did y'all think? I don't think that there was any better visual for this Bears offense than the fact that right after the Bears call I mean the perfect run play against that Packers front that overloaded that right hand side and as Montgomery cut right back up the backside of uh, Cody Whitehair's block on his 57 yard scamper I mean that was just a great play call that didn't ask the offensive line to do too much because the space was there to run right into But immediately after that, on what was it, 2nd and 11, Mitch Trubisky who didn't have an amazing game and I'm not about to pretend he did delivered two catchable balls to his teammates that they couldn't come down with them. And if that hasn't been the story of this Bears offense, that when it's not the quarterback, it's somebody else, I don't know what has been. Because I'm not about to try to pretend that Robinson like has to catch that or something. It's a tough contested catch and I know some people actually would say that. But seeing Kmet drop his opportunity was a bummer seeing Robinson not come down with the touchdown was also a bummer and again I'm not about to try to defend Mitch I didn't think he played particularly well and we can get into that if y'all want to but it was such a quick visual on yeah his Bears offense you know it will do some things right here and there like the 57 yard run but even when it catches a break it kind of can't get out of its own way you know what I mean
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. The problem the problem with the commit drop was not only does he have to make the play, but also Mitch's spot accuracy was just bad. Like he threw it back shoulder towards the defender when he could have thrown it front side and commit probably just falls into the end zone. And like there it's not a contested catch at all. And right. that's that's something that you see continuously with foals. And so you're hoping like maybe Maybe Mitch's spot accuracy will be a little better, and it's just not, and it's just really disappointing.
1: Exactly, that's one. That what is that? Is that a stick variation with the tight end running up and out? And hey, good on Kmet for at least having the, the lateral agility. I know he tested horribly when it came to lateral agility in the actual draft. So the fact that he was able to generate a little crease, not bad from the rookie, though I'm not about to pretend that that was the greatest route ever run just point being point being, the defender shouldn't have been able to get involved on a play like that as easily as he did, and of course you'd still love to see Kmet come down with the catch anyways but it would have been helping out his quarterback like i think we can agree with that it's it the that mitch put the ball in a place where he could have made the play but not that it was an easy play to make and like you're talking about brandon you you move that ball from where it was about a foot inside to a foot the other way outside and i think it's very very easy for commit
2: right exactly
3: i mean it obviously makes life easier and, and i mean like you said commit wasn't Great on the route. He wasn't terrible. The ball has to be better. If I had to really nitpick it, and I thought so as well, even before Dan Orlovsky kind of put it on Twitter this morning, he he tells you where he's going before he's even going. He's he's not selling anything. He's but that's because he's not that kind of athlete. He's clunky. We knew we know he's clunky. But I mean, overall, it's like we well, I guess we'll go into the Mitch thing a little bit. But before I go there, I, with the Allen Robinson thing, I think the reason so many fans feel like he's got to come down with that balls, I feel like he's lost every one of them this year. <laughs> I don't think there's been one of those quote-unquote 50-50 balls that he's come down with. It I'm not I'm not saying that's what I'm I'm saying it feels that way. I'm not I'm not saying oh he's not one of 50-50 ball. Of course he <laughs> probably has. It just feels like he's every a time. It just feels like every time it's like it just feels, I'm sure, in the eyes of most fans, that you want to be paid like a number one wide receiver. Well, you got to catch that football. No,
1: I, I totally agree. I mean, it's been it's been a tough year for Allen Robinson, not just because of the state of the team, not just because of his contract situation, but also because when you've got these highlights that he came down with, what I think is hard to f- or remember, Danny. To your point, is that Allen's come down with almost all of these over the last two years. And that in and of itself, in like you use the term 50-50 ball, I think that's appropriate because eventually the law of averages says you're not going to come down with a bunch if you make the helmet catch that he made in uh, in New York two years ago. And the 50-50 ball that was like basically a dead tie against uh, Jalen Smith versus Dallas last year. Like a whole bunch of these catches that it's just, wow, Alan Robinson, you are out of this world. And eventually, they're not going to go your way. And they aren't going his way this year. He's come down with, I mean, Brandon, maybe you've got some kind of special super stat sheet that I don't know about. I've got a, or I can remember about three that were like very tough contested catches that he's come down with out of about nine. So a little under average though. A lot of them, Danny, to your point, it's like two of them were in the Tennessee game and nobody cares about any of Foles 300 yards against Tennessee because they were garbage time, which they weren't, quite garbage time, because technically the Bears, uh, it's, it's, it's a moot point, that game sucked, and I'm not about, to, yeah, anyways, it's, it's been a tough year, because, of course, he's looking for money, and of course Bears fans right now have got him so riled up that he's, like, tweeting back at Ross Reed and Jonathan Wood, for crying out loud, but, uh, yeah, it's it's rough year for everybody. And I got to tell you, if I was a Bears receiver right now and the big solution to Mitch Trubisky had been Nick Foles, who hasn't played outstandingly well in Chicago, to say the least, I would probably be frustrated, too.
2: Now what was funny was Robert Mays actually made a video of cut ups of Alan Robinson making contested catches this year because Bears fans were ripping into him about not making those contested catches. That's awesome. So this, this, whole, this whole situation is just really, really entertaining to me.
1: I'm going to go find that right now uh, because I have to see this. That's hilarious. It's 53 seconds of him just balling. But, yeah, it, or what else did y'all see from the offense? I know one thing that surprised me. I thought the offensive line actually looked pretty decent, like, in both the run game and the pass game. Not perfect. I would never say they were perfect. But the cowardless offensive line looked Rashad cowardless, and that's sort of a positive. A little better late than never, I guess. Right, yeah,
2: It's it's just really terrible. frustrating because, like, I feel like, Everyone basically just knew what the Bears somehow didn't know, and that was that Coward was just terrible. He's just, he's just terrible. Like he should, <laughs> like he just shouldn't be out there. Like I, I, I don't understand how everyone except the Bears coaching staff knows that Rashad Coward shouldn't be out there. And so yeah, I'll like I'll definitely take the positives of finally having a decent outing by the O line. And I actually thought the play calling was decent too especially compared to the last game which is which is also a positive
3: Uh, i would agree i think the play calling didn't feel as terrible as it would normally have to me um i mean the offense itself i mean i i I hate that we're praising an offensive line for being below average and not terrible but i guess it's fine you know it is what it is i I mean i i said i was going to get into the mitch thing and robert and i kind of talked about it pre-show Mitch wasn't any different. He's the same guy now that he was when he got benched. He's the same guy now that he was when he got drafted. He's not any better. And you would think maybe he he took something from the benching and learned something, but he didn't he didn't look any different. He was making the same mistakes. He was doing the same thing he's always done. The only difference is, and I think this might have been why the defense the offensive line looked. Bit better because I don't even think I wouldn't even say he's markedly better than Foles, other than the fact that he can run around a little bit, and I think that makes your lines job a little bit easier when all four or five guys coming every play aren't just pinning their ears back trying to kill your quarterback. Like it's not like the the offense was markedly better; it was just different looking, and I don't think Mitch was any better at all. I think he's just Mitch.
1: The Bears were able to threaten a couple of zone reads, but I got the impression that the Packers got. Look, there's an ent- there's an extent of that that didn't matter because the Bears were down three to 27 so quickly that the run threat people people would say it's early in the game what are you doing abandoning the run and don't get me wrong there's some truth to it but I also understand if Matt Nagy and the Bears aren't exactly looking to commit to a running game that has done them no favors this season that said 3 to 27 obviously not a healthy situation for any offense and like you're saying Danny I The trouble is, is that part of me thinks that fans have been putting unrealistic expectations on Mitch since like day four, which not quite day one because we wanted to see who he was. But down the road, they started saying things like, hey, if you give Mitch seven weeks on the bench after like Nick Foles gets to play, maybe he'll learn something. And the trouble is that I don't. I can't think of a setting in which seven magic weeks after you've had two seasons in a row where Chase Daniel got to play two games and looked more or less Folesian, that he was going to get a ton better. He did look exactly like who he has been. I frankly think that was healthy for all of Chicago to see is just this is who this guy is. He can make a play-action throw just like Nick Foles can to a wide-open Allen Robinson posting over the middle, and he can fit or he can fit a ball in a window when he's told by the play call to look right and then come back to your left, and there's Allen on a quick slant, and then he's not going to do a great job of moving a safety on a Mooney shot play, and he's going to stare at Anthony Miller into triple coverage because that's kind of what he does. I mean, this is who Mitch has been. I'm not looking to waste the guy or carpet bomb him or anything because... I just feel as if there should be no like ill feelings or hate when you're talking about a football player being who that football player is, you know, like Buster Screen can't change direction. He's bad at it. That's something he really, really struggles with. And I don't hate Buster Screen for saying it. Jalen Johnson seems to tackle really up high with a long frame that can make it a little easy to break tackles and he'll need to grow into that. That doesn't mean I hate Jalen Johnson either. Mitch doesn't process the defense well and he does best when he knows what he's doing without having to think about it you know and that's something that's not really tenable long term as a quarterback and at the very least on this national Sunday night stage we got to see that one more time loud and clear without any questions you know
3: absolutely yeah they
2: a lot of people talked about how we might see Mitch deal with pressure better than Foles. And I just thought that was funny because that's what Mitch struggles with. He struggles against pressure because he doesn't know what to do. He in this game he stepped into multiple just walked in the sacks. He took that sack where he just, ran, like, he just ran he just ran out of he ran out of bounds. Yeah, that that's that's what that's what I think is funny. That's is that what people he does. thought we would yeah. see something different because Foles was in, and it. it's like, no, like it's it's probably actually a little bit worse.
1: And for those Bears fans that have wondered why it is that for, I mean, weeks now, we've sounded as negative as we have, frankly, about just the whole Bears offense. A lot of it is because when you look around the league, there are other quarterbacks, plenty of other quarterbacks that are doing a lot of the little things that we would complain about. Better than we are, and with the state of the Bears' offensive line, Foles couldn't be less of a match at the moment. Like the things that Foles does do well, need to be covered by an offensive line that's basically. Uh, what do you guys think? Probably top eight in football, Ish. more or less. Like yeah, it you, at
3: least had to be the top third of the game.
1: You have to keep as many free rushers away from Foles as possible because he can't avoid any of them. Like he might be able to move in the pocket a little bit if he trusts his interior, but he, he doesn't trust his interior. Chicago, that's for sure. Um, and he's instead like fade away, Yolo fulls a hundred percent. And the then time.
3: even even then, like the one good play we've talked about, where they're running against a, a weak box and Montgomery goes for fifty plus. Like it's you want to compliment the play, but then it's like for me, so, especially as someone who I think I had him as is the second or first best running back in his class. You saw his negative rear his ugly head. He can't get away from anyone. He's he's he, everyone's step for step with him or catching him. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least he
1: kept him step for step and didn't get it closed off at like the 25 yard line or something. Cause but he it's did just it.
3: like, there's nothing you can really point to and say that guy's awesome. Or that guy did this other than the fact that you have Alan Robinson and then it's, he's in his feelings and on Twitter, like <laughs> it's just a very sobering thing to do. As a fan and someone who tries to, and as as I'm as I know you two do, trying to analyze this because when you really sit back and objectively analyze the offense, they don't do anything well. It's you're just banging your head against a brick wall watching this film over and over again every week.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, and it only didn't and it didn't help anything at all either that like to give mitch an, a, a hair of credit darnell mooney on that first interception got he got beat by that corner like granted it's an in and out route that i don't particularly understand i'm sure like brandon was telling me pre-show that there's just tons and tons of de- layers of detail that i am not privy to because i haven't played in the nfl but you have on that believe it or not my five (laughs) or my five 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 six self has not played in the nfl but so when or on that shot play Mooney definitely doesn't create a ton of space and with the holding call that he had earlier i think it's safe to say it wasn't his greatest outing and that doesn't make him bad either i'm just using him as a case in point that even some of the bears shining stars on offense didn't exactly shine on uh sunday night and it when you get down as quickly as the bears did, it's always tough for an offense, and I think that brings the focus at least a little bit back to the defense, because what I think frustrated me more than just about anything else Brandon you're going to have a better idea and ability to talk about this because the pass rush was so unable to affect every given play it meant that we got to watch Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson get picked apart basically by a quarterback that was able to just work them and I don't think there's any play that typifies that better than uh, Rogers' 39 yard touchdown off that left side rollout where he just cooked Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller off of the, what is it, the Bears' usual cover three drop, where as Kyle Fuller went to hand off the receiver to Jackson, the receiver cut right up against Eddie Jackson's grain. And I've watched that a couple times. It looks to me like Jackson never had a chance. Like to blame it on Eddie Jackson is, I, I don't know, Brandon, you, again, you're going to know more about this, so I'll just turn it directly over to you. But it looked to me like Jackson just got caught in a spot in the play that he wasn't anticipating what happened. And I don't know how he could have, but that was a rough one to see.
2: Well, I I think their their game plan was pretty solid. I mean, they, they use play action a lot, so which takes away the pass rush a lot. But what I noticed they were doing is they were going into empty a lot. And the thing about empty is it's really hard to run a lot of different types of zone coverage against it because there's just so much space on the field. So what the Bears were doing is they were checking to man most of the time, which was just a complete disaster against Devontae Adams because, as everybody knows, he destroys man coverage He like he's elite against leverage, and the thing about man coverage is you're going to be leveraged either inside or outside, and so that's where they that's where they were hurt. And on that on the play you're talking about, you, it was Kyle, You said it was a touchdown or.
1: The, i'm talking the play action touchdown where uh Rogers rolls left resets his feet and fires the the ball downfield it was i think the what was it the one that pushed it to 34 points at the time Th- or second half <laughs> what dan <laughs> just too many points just i see you laughing over there just,
3: just points so many points and i mean i'm sure we're gonna dig into it a little bit more but the audacity of the coach to call out one side of the ball when he's never held his offense to the same standard is laughable.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, while Brandon's watching the play, I can get into that. I don't have an issue with it. That's going to sound ridiculous. That may sound blasphemous to some folks. To me, it sounds
3: but- absolutely awful because every week with the offense outside of one week, which was the Second full start, I want to say, where he's like, "It's a, we gotta, it's the details, the details, the details, the details," and then to, to, basically call your defense out for a really bad outing when your punk ass has seven wins where your offense hasn't put up even twenty points. That's that's pot calling kettle black. The reason you're you won Coach of the Year. And the reason you had all this fanfare and club dub was so cool and everything was because your defense was causing turnovers and stopping opponents that that you know what that is. That's a coach grasping at the final straw that he has no idea of what else to do.
1: Well, to me, it's just a coach doing what he's supposed to. And that's going to sound ridiculous because at least this is what I said on Twitter, where I basically said, if head bears, head coach nameless says, hey, that wasn't a great defensive outing and it doesn't fit our defensive standard. Everybody says, I agree with you. Then Matt Nagy, who hasn't been able to put together a solid offense, says it. And everybody says, hey, screw you. The only reason that you, who, you are who you are is because of the defense. And I get that, but that doesn't mean that he's going to walk it, or into the media and be like, defense played fine. They've been bailing my butt out for years. So I'm I not mean, saying
3: to do that. I'm saying you you can't be the guy that goes scorched earth on the best side of the ball that you got when you've never held your offense to you've never gone scorched earth on your. But offense. he did. You but you he, even mentioned it. He after he was mentioning ben, he details. went scorched earth. He went. He was mentioning details. He and was hopping mad. He, yeah, he, it, like he it was incredibly different. frustrated. It sounds I, different. You, I he said, a, there's a standard to uphold. When in fact he's not holding a standard for his offense. Well, you I not
1: giving him a standard. <laughs> right, but I, he's
3: not giving a standard. He's, because the defense has played a certain way, he has an expectation. It's the same idea that the game plan is to get ter- takeaways. You can't game plan for takeaways.
1: Yeah, no, I, you can't.
3: I, I just, I hate that. And this is coming from, I loved Matt Nagy, but this is right. just not a good look. Especially when you're the guy who year one and year two joked about how you know nothing about defense. So, shut up. At a certain point. If you want to have Chuck call him out, fine. Cool. That's his side of the ball. But so you can't you,
1: would you would you have had in the middle of Matt Nagy's press conference then when people are saying, Hey, what do you think of the defensive performance? And he goes, I'm not really able to talk about this. Uh, Chuck, you're in the wings. Could you <laughs> could you come better, up to I the mic? Felt <laughs> could if you he did that? could you just could you just come on up here? I'll, I'm gonna go ahead and step away, guys. I'll be right back. And then Chuck I, comes on and says exactly what he said. Would that have made you feel better?
3: Made me feel a little bit better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Brandon, what do you think of all this? I th- I think it's just
2: you you can you can tell Dan's frustration with it as a whole, but I think Matt Nagy was just being honest. Like the defense had a really poor performance, and
1: I think he Absolutely. he expressed that. He was just being he was just being honest. He's basically answering the question from what I could tell. And I'm not even trying to... I I think Matt Nagy deserves so much criticism and that there's nothing wrong with having a problem with Matt Nagy right now. Nothing at all. I just tried to envision myself in that setting where somebody had asked me after or like everything else that had gone the way that it has over the season, like, hey, what'd you think of the defensive performance? And if I was the head coach, and even if I didn't coach it, Dan, like, or I'm in meetings with Chuck all day long, and Chuck tells me that the defense needs to be better than that, so I say what Chuck says to me, the defense needs to be better than that, and boom! Like, the hammer comes in
2: from right. I like, just, my I notoriety.
3: Issue, I, I, guess, I, w- I guess my issue is more how he said it, not not necessarily him attack you I mean he's the head coach I you have you to mean. say you have you have to say something at, to a certain extent but what <laughs> my thing would be just so much different if you didn't have seven wins on your resume where your offense didn't score more, less than 20 or more than 20 points
2: do you do you think the defense quit I think the whole team laid down, personally. Right. So if he if he sees the defense quit, and they give up all those points, like he's going to be frustrated because his,
3: Absolutely. his defense quit, and it's also his ass on the line. He's yeah. frustrated because he feels his job slipping away from him. Yes. I, that's. And I think we I all do. No. Oh, I mean, we can delve into this later. But if I think we'll, I'd be shocked if there's not a complete cleaning of house after the year, at this rate. Especially if you lose to a Lions team this weekend that has just placed Desmond Trufant and who's the other guy on Danny IR? Danny Shelton, not IR.
1: So. Yep. Guys, we are mega overtime for an ad break, so we are going to step aside real quick, and we will be right back to you with the Rule of Three Podcast. And we are back with the Rule of Three podcast. I, myself, Robert Schmitz, Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson here coming at you, breaking down the Bears game after the Packers. And I think that this is as good a time as ever to move into preview, unless we have anything else to say about the game. I would love to, but with the way that the linebackers got washed around from the Packers formation, defensive line got beat, I don't see a whole lot of positives to pump out of this game, and we're going to kind of need to be moving on to the next one anyways, especially because if you guys are reading the cards like I am, I think this Bears Lions game is might as well be Matt Nagy's last stand if it hasn't happened already. Because if he loses to the Lions this week there's not really a shot at the playoffs anymore, and there's no reason to win another game for the rest of the season. You know what I mean? Like, if you lose to the Lions, you have lost to all three divisional rivals in back-to-back-to-back weeks, one of which off a bye. And all of a sudden, the idea of drafting Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance up there at pick number 7, 8, or 9 has got to be more appealing to uh, to George McCaskey than the idea of beating maybe a Packers team that's resting at starters in the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if they win, they're six and six and I could understand somebody saying, Hey, maybe we've got an outside shot at the playoffs here. If we can take care of business, what do you guys think? Cause this really does seem like the rubber meets the road game for this team.
2: I don't know. Like I like to find just, little things in every single matchup, regardless of who it is. And you got the Lions who just fired their their coaching staff, their, their head coach. And so usually teams like that, use you, you see a little fire after that, especially when you get reports out that they didn't like the coach. So they're, oh, they're, just, decided they're just decided to play friend. for the
3: next guy. They
2: hated that guy. They hated
3: <laughs> Exactly. So they're going to be playing with some fire and some passion, some fire and passion.
2: Right. And so – it's pretty it's pretty obvious that everything's going wrong for the Bears. So I mean, Nagy should be doing whatever it takes to get them excited for just the next divisional matchup. And I and he's gonna he's gonna tell them that they need to, this is a must win for the playoff picture, and the players should be buying into that because they that's the only thing they should care about. They shouldn't they shouldn't care about that traffic. So all they care about is of
1: winning. course. Let me let me make sure that I rephrase this to clarify. I totally agree with you. I'm more saying that if they lose this game, it feels like it truly all falls apart. We've been talking like it's all already fallen apart, but that's because the three of us are looking at team trajectory. When you look at the actual standings, even coming into the Packers game, they were still 5-5. Five and five. Like, you weren't completely out of the woods, or you weren't in the woods altogether until you lose this detroit game because when you lose the detroit game again you've lost to like everybody and now you can't beat a team without true font and shelton that also i think they got shut out a couple of weeks ago and just lost to the football team like you're in a bad place
2: right i'm just pointing out the difference between like a fan's perspective towards mm-hmm. a player's perspective because i i'm 100 fans perspective i'm thinking about the draft pick i like i'm hoping that they get high Matt but Nagy's from a player's perspective, they, they would never they would yeah. never even think about that. They don't they probably don't even know who Zach Wilson is. Yeah.
3: That makes I, mean, sense. I mean, I I think I agree with both of you on this point. The other thing that we haven't brought up yet, but I I didn't know it until probably a couple hours after Matt Nagy's press conference on Monday morning, that Virginia was in the stands in Green Bay. So let's talk about this real quick, just in the sheer landscape of the world. Not the football game, the world. Virginia McCaskey's 97 years old. There's a global pandemic of which has killed 200,000 plus people in the United States of America. She is probably the most high risk of high risk, and on top of that, Wisconsin's a hot spot. And she went to Green Bay, where they just got their ass handed to them on primetime television. Annihilated. That's not good. And so from a fan's perspective and, a, and really more of an objective observer's perspective, especially when you factor in the last time the Bears got embarrassed on national TV by the Green Bay Packers was in 2014 under Mark Tressman. So factoring that all in, she risked her potential life or the re- what's remaining of her life To go watch this product, I would be remiss if I didn't think, especially given, especially when they hired up, I want to say it was before the Fox hiring where George came out and said, oh, mom's pissed off, yada, yada, yada. You don't think if she was pissed then that she's pissed, not pissed now?
1: Well, unfortunately, the Nagy tenure hasn't exactly brought a whole bunch of not embarrassing Sunday night games against the Packers, where, and I'm going strictly off of memory here, the 2019 Week 1 game was about as embarrassing as it got, with a choked away lead, was it 3-23? to uh, I, I can't remember anymore, I've kind of blacked that one out. Um, but so... <laughs> yeah that was embarrassing then there was the game that was it, you go back and forth between whether it was or wasn't embarrassing in Lambeau, where it felt like the bears just got cut to pieces uh and that's the one where the bears came uh one jesper horstead lateral away from actually going to overtime uh if memory serves maybe yeah. winning i can't remember what the score was at the time but... hey matt
2: nagy would have
1: gone for two I gotta think so. But so...
3: yeah. Let's, let's, and then it we'll wouldn't pretend. have
1: worked because his, his aggressive decision-making never works out for him. It would have been but, too cute.
2: Quote-unquote, yeah. too cute.
1: But like you're talking about, bad look either way for both Matt Nagy and, and especially like Virginia's not somebody who I'd want to be in meetings uh, with after that game.
3: Not at all. Not at all. So to your point, Robert, this this feels almost like the last hurrah. If he doesn't rally the troops and get a win, especially with how the whole team laid down, as we all saw on national television, to the point where Tony Dungy, who more times than not, when I listen to him, I think he's kind of stupid. Oh, seeing don't it. say that about poor Tony. <laughs> oh, he's poor Tony. He's got a Super Bowl ring, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's just not a good commentator. It's, you know, it's neither here nor there. I got gotcha. But you. when he says something like that, that's a dude who is a Hall of Fame coach, has won a Super Bowl, has probably had a team almost quit on him. You don't think he knows what that looks like? He does. This That overall picture on national television, from the commentator to the team doing it, to Neggy going scorched earth the next day, to Virginia being in the stands for everything. If you lose to Detroit after all this happens, that's probably it. Like and I I wouldn't be shocked as much as the Bears never do the in-season thing. I wouldn't be shocked if that's what came.
1: Well, what I certainly find myself wondering is at what point like Brandon, you you and I've or like you were you were talking about how there's a huge difference between the way that a fan interacts with the team and the way that an actual team member interacts with the team. There is the point where and this is entirely speculation. I have never heard of this before, right? But say the Bears lose against Detroit, which you know we haven't actually done a preview. Without Shelton, without True Font, I think the Bears' offense has a very decent shot to shoot with, uh, with like to actually play decent ball here against Detroit in Soldier Field. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the defensive play calling because I don't think Mitch is a hard book to solve, but Matt Patricia's kind of never bothered to. So uh, Mitch is a
3: picture book with pop-ups.
1: Sure, but we'll we'll see if they actually decide to challenge him with things like zone looks and swarming Allen Robinson like they did in the first three quarters of uh, their first game before they lost all of their cornerbacks. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Either way, getting back to what I was going to ask you about, Brandon, you got to wonder whether if the Bears do lose to Detroit, George or somebody might step in and say, don't win any more games. I understand what you're thinking i understand but you're all already fired so don't <laughs> win any more games like yeah well, nothing's the, the, changing
2: the, the thing about that is matt Nagy's contract is guaranteed so he would basically tell him to get lost because there's yeah. there's no way that he would ever not try to win games if he especially if he's already fired because now he's trying to get his next coaching job so and that would just be a terrible
3: look upon him yeah he's not gonna if he if he remains employed or even if say they do fire him mid-season and Chuck Pagano takes over as interim head coach
1: he's not gonna want to lay down either
3: they're not that Chuck's not that type of dude no these guys even players like I think the players thing is more or less kind of just a culmination of everything and just being like I'm tired of this like and it sucks to say because they're pro athletes getting paid umpteen million dollars a year in some cases. But it's just. just
2: quantify that umpteen.
3: Umpteen yeah uh, it's it's uh between uh and ump it's the culmination of both. Definitely in the teens. It's definitely in the teens. It's, it could also be in the 20s. We haven't quite figured it out yet.
1: Scientists are still picking the apart.
3: Yes. But it's just one of those things like at the end of the day we as fans also have to understand they're human. You can only take so much, especially the defense who's been just carrying this team for the better part of three years now, mm-hmm. to, to the point where you're just like, I can't do this anymore because they never hold up their end of the bargain.
1: Is Hicks supposed to come back, by the way, for this next week's game? They'll say he
2: is, but I mean, it's a, it's I, a hamstring injury, and it looks like a decent a, hamstring injury. So it's
3: 365 pounds, Robert. Do you really want right. that guy <laughs> doing that with his hamstring?
1: Uh, probably not, but at the same Matt time, Matt Nagy's
3: gonna say yeah. N- Matt, yeah. Matt Nagy, because he's got to save his life or save his job.
1: The, the Bears are in that precarious position, right, where it's like Hicks may be playing. I'm look, I'm I'm not saying the final games of his career, as if they, he'll get another somehow, head job. Exactly. But he might be these might be some of the final few games he plays at this high level for the Bears, depending on how the offseason goes. So he's a big deal, especially against a Detroit team that look, they have not found their offensive legs. But it there it becomes this awful question, right? Whereas the Bears welcome Detroit into Soldier Field, how many points does Detroit have to score before the Bears can't match it, right? They scored 27 in their first meeting, the Bears, in that flurry at the end of the game that uh, got them 21 points. But before that, they had over 100 rushing yards between Patterson, Cohen, and Montgomery, and it had amounted to six points. So, assuming that Mitch is the starter, because as Matt Nagy said, sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> it makes why me wonder. <laughs> it makes me wonder... What the, uh, so do y'all do that thing that I do with the NBA where as you're watching the NBA, it becomes almost a race to blank? Like there's the, the ebb and the flow of the game sometimes says first team to get to 95 probably has this first team to get to 105 probably has this or modern day basketball first team to 120 probably has this. But in in football for the Bears, that first team two number can be as low as 17 points in some cases. So how many do you think this Lions offense, which is not lacking pieces, needs to come up with to beat the Bears?
3: I think you hit the number on the head. I think seventeen is probably the number at this point.
1: What do you think, Brandon?
2: I think I think that's low. I don't know what the total is for this game, but I would I would certainly take the over because I don't think I don't think any either one of these defenses are sitting pretty right now. Um, I would ex, I would expect Hicks to be out or hampered. Um, they could get Kelly, Kenny Galladay back, which is pretty huge. They're going to get DeAndre Swift back, which
3: is Ginormous. For and that, offense. The step he's taken from like week three or four this season to now, before he got hurt, to actually like playing, he was. I mean, I liked him out of Georgia, but he's really, really good,
1: <laughs> and a
3: lot better than a 36
2: year
1: old uh, Adrian Peterson.
2: I wait a dis-
3: minute. Matt Patricia you, disagrees with you.
1: Are you guys trying to tell me? that six to eight weeks less practice due to COVID may have meant Swift needed a little bit? I may need to check the spreadsheet on this one.
3: I think, I think <laughs> you're just making things up, Robert. COVID doesn't exist. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely, he has come into his own in a nasty way, and Stafford's having another one of those very weird years, right, where it seems like the scheme around him isn't exactly fabulous, though he's not coming up with heroic plays like he did last year in an almost pseudo-MVP season there before his hand uh, got messed up, and so it'll be curious to see which Matthew Stafford the Bears get and what they're able to do with him. I
3: mean, you're saying this like he's having a bad year. I just got just had a quick look. He's thrown almost – he's thrown 18 touchdowns for just under 3,000 yards, and he's completing 63% of his passes. It's – No, I know. I God, he he's one of those, I guess – you know, for as much as we make of about finding the guy, for all intents and purposes, Detroit found the guy when they drafted him. No, Absolutely, I, did. I
2: I agree with you. He would he would be the uh, I
3: don't know. Like that, he he's the- had a. Re- I'm just like just because we brought him up. <laughs> for as bad as he is as a as like the team he's been on, he's still seventy three and eighty six in his career, which isn't bad for as bad as you think Detroit no. is. Not and that bad. he's thrown I for forty three thousand yards, two hundred and seventy four touchdowns, only one hundred forty two interceptions, and he completes lifetime sixty three percent of his passes. This dude's messed around and had an arguable Hall of Fame level career, and no one even talks about that.
2: Well, I would it's, never put someone in the Hall
3: of Fame with below five hundred. I'm just saying.
1: First of all, me too, but I. I'd, I'd I'm the, saying
3: just the counting numbers. He's right. put together a really, really good NFL resume.
1: I feel like Stafford's in that same like category right now as a guy like Matt Ryan where if he's not playing at an insane level, he's bad and replaceable because the team around him is bad and you replace the quarterback on bad teams. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's 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 hard to grasp and I understand this. It's it's a hard thing to grasp when your quarter, your team isn't very good but your quarterback isn't the issue. Like, that is... A, a big thing to fix because your quarterback's supposed to lay the foundation a lot of times changing the guard in that case it's just the natural thing to do and both Ryan and Stafford are having that same season like you're talking about Dan they're, they're not bad, they're playing pretty good football, they're just not playing their best football ever and on the Lions and the Falcons that could equate to a new young quarterback depending on how things go and I'll tell you what if Stafford Stafford did hit free agency. I don't know where his contract situation is at. That would that would certainly make things interesting. That's for sure.
3: Uh, the Bears goes.
1: would love to have either.
3: Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Like, well, Matt Ryan's new money just kicked in, so he's not going nowhere. But Go
1: but yeah. It's either either way, this game, I do think like you're talking about, Brandon. Th- so going into this week's game against the Packers, uh, I was surprised that Mitch in the offense wasn't able to score more, like even as much as Mitch, quote unquote, played like himself, like we talked about. I wasn't expecting it to be quite this bad. I really wasn't because the Packers defense isn't that great. And I don't know.
2: That might be hindsight. You were saying before the game that it was going to be like 31-13.
1: 13 though we scored 10 until garbage time it it, it felt like more but maybe maybe you're, you're good point either way we'll we'll move past it because you're right i may very well be uh to like hindsighting myself this detroit game if the bears score 20 or 24 points I'm not gonna be shocked because it's the lions they're not very good They've had so much success against the Lions in the past or in the past. I doubt that the Detroit team is going to just rip up their whole defensive playbook, you know, like right in the middle of their season. So I would imagine.
2: Yeah, I'd be interested in that because they run a lot of man coverage. And, and that hasn't 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 worked at all. So I think it's I think it's tough on Matt Nagy and uh, Bill Lazor to exactly game plan for what they're going to see because if i if i was the one taking over the play calls to the defense i that, that's exactly what i'd do i'd rip up everything and just go to regular day one stuff makes sense i mean like, that's probably
3: what i would do if i was calling the defense too because patricia for as much praise as he got coming from that new england system for being a rocket scientist a literal rocket scientist and everything it's not like he was reinventing the
2: a, a rocket scientist with a with burner with a
1: burner account, account.
2: Yeah, with a burner account, rocket <laughs> scientist
3: with a burner account. It's not like he was reinventing the wheel with the defense he was playing. Like he was running very basic, almost. I would. I hesitate to use the word in the NFL, but it was almost vanilla.
1: Hold on, Dan. Hold on. Are you trying to criticize the guy who has taken all the credit for Malcolm Butler's interception there at the end of the Seahawks? In the <laughs> Super Bowl? Are you really trying to criticize that guy?
2: No, he's a no, he's
3: infallible. But yeah, if
1: you it, didn't know. <laughs>
2: He won a
3: Super Bowl. He would tell you. He would definitely tell you.
1: But, yeah, this is is a game that really is interesting. It's like you're talking about, Brandon. Uh, The scariest part about this as a Bears fan, like if you're a Bears fan that wants to win the game, is that you could make the argument that the Lions just subtracted their, like they they got a lot better by getting rid of Patricia. Addition by subtraction. yeah, now you add the motivation of the fact that all of these Lions players have to prove that Patricia was the problem against a team where it's possible to do that. Like they're not they're not playing the Packers, and this one this one has the trappings of a surprisingly like a surprisingly solid football game if Matt Nagy can get the Bears up for it. You know?
2: Yeah, every I, I keep seeing on my timeline like this is a a game the Bears should win. It's just like the Bears shouldn't win any game. Like, yeah, I mean, there's like, the Jacks.
1: I think they could be Jacksonville, but not if Mike Glennon has a revenge game of revenge games.
2: Well, I mean, what
3: I what I mean, you guys know, my, my big thing, thing was always was, if you, you have, have this defense, defense you're you, you have, have a shot. shot. They no longer have that defense. They they don't have that same buildup and motivation anymore. So how are you possibly gonna say, oh, well, they still have a shot because this defense is playing? Especially if it, if I'm Akeem, why am I playing? My hamstring shot, the chances of the playoffs at this moment are probably closer to nothing than they are anything. Like, if you're thinking logically. And now, he doesn't obviously think that way, but I'm saying just in terms of selfishness and his health. This is now going to be two years in a row where with his elbow last year and his hamstring this year, get just get through the season.
2: Yeah, I don't
3: know. He's
1: he's one of those competitors. So I wouldn't leader. expect yeah. that. I don't know. I, I really have no idea, right? I mean, the saddest part about watching this last uh, game against the Packers was that I watched Khalil Mack still put together a very solid game, and he just couldn't influence the game beyond his stat or like beyond the ability of one defensive player you know does this make sense like I I I'm feeling I'm tripping over my words here but Khalil Mack was getting chip blocked double blocked they would have somebody like backed up for him I thought that was really impressive where basically he would beat his man and then there'd be somebody waiting for him to have to beat afterwards so instead of beating a common double block it was more like he had to beat two blocks and Aaron Rodgers was able to make a play in that time almost all the time and also with play action they were able to take him away and watching this just made me sad like I remember I got comments on bear with me after the game for being too negative and I totally understood it I feel like I watched the death of like old school defensive dominance and I'm sure the bears or somebody will get right back to it and interior pressure sure seems like the way to go but it's a bummer like you're talking about Dan watching the Ineffectiveness of edge rushers in general compared to what they were in like 2015. They're not, it doesn't feel to me like they're near as dominant as they were. Well, it seems like it's more the Donalds and the Hickses and the Veyas and the killer interior guys that are starting to rule yeah, the I league think, more so than edge rushers. I
3: think a lot of that has to do with, in someone was quantifying it last I saw midway through the season or just before the midway point where the holding rate is just immensely down they're not calling it the nfl does not care about defense the nfl hasn't cared about defense for the better part of going on two decades now points makes money they want people to score points and that brings you all the way back full circle to the fact that you're in a league with the head coach from the system that's supposed to put up lots and lots of points and you still can't put up points when the Mm. league is literally built for you to score points
2: it's the same reason why when a quarterback gets sacked they subtract it from the team's passing yards but not the quarterback's passing yards Mm
0: -hmm. if you guys didn't
2: know that which is just it's just laughable because they just they want the quarterbacks to have as many passing yards as they can and nothing can take away from that
1: yep it's i don't know it it, what i'm at least looking for is for the bears to find some kind of direction here and i'm i'm really open like sure if i got to tell you guys like what i want to see from the end of the season as much of a bummer as it is i am willing to give away five games if it means that the bears can reset at quarterback a year earlier because that's probably what we're looking at right well especially in this
3: class where
1: exactly yeah If you can't reset at quarterback this year... With a quarterback that has legitimate NFL potential like Zach Wilson, maybe Trey Lance, that's that's a black box to get into, and who knows, a little bit of back Jones. I will tell you, Danny, you did get me watching Peyton Manning's old Tennessee footage because I had to know whether or not Peyton Manning would still be a first-round draft pick, and the answer is absolutely. He threw with so much velocity off of almost every throw, off-platform stuff. It's it's cool to watch Peyton work in any to see more more jones before i say too much about him the point is if the bears don't get that guy then they're probably drafting an offensive tackle in the first round losing a bunch of games in 2021 and taking the next guy and that takes 365 days actually more because the season's not even over yet and i don't want to wait that long like i am perfectly comfortable giving away five games if it means the bears can start winning sooner I mean, they might
3: not but, even have to give them away they might just straight lose them
1: Maybe, but against teams like <laughs> or against teams like Jacksonville, part of me thinks that the more you could play a couple of kids, like g- give Arlington Hambright another start,
3: that's and never this and that, that the other. No, thing. I know it's, it's not. I know it's big not. Big no, that's that. That's but, that's just barking up the complete wrong tree. It's not going to happen.
1: At the end of the day, what do y'all want to see from the rest of the season? Because I just made my position fairly clear. What do y'all got?
3: I mean.
2: I'm right I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um I think they're actually gonna be able to run the ball this game. So I think Same. we could we could finally see one of the more impressive games out of Dave Montgomery. The Lions have given up the most touchdowns in the leagues to running backs. If that makes sense. I tripped over my words there too. Um
3: surrendered so to the most rushing touchdowns in the league? It, yeah. They've yeah, given up 14 <laughs> rushing touchdowns
2: and seven receiving touchdowns to running back. So think Montgomery's cool. probably going to find the end zone.
3: God, just probably. talking of just the way you phrase that, Brandon, 14 rushing touchdowns surrendered through the 12th week of the NFL is the most in the NFL. When we don't even have to go back. Well, yeah. What was it? 12, 13 years ago where, where LaDainian Tomlinson was running for 30 something touchdowns in a year. <laughs> holy moly
2: yeah the league has changed <laughs> changed a lot
3: the but to kind of answer your question rob i mean i i i have a very hard time as a fan actively rooting for them to lose do i know it's what's best for them yeah probably but they're not gonna do that they're not gonna just play travis gibson just to play him you know they're not gonna make dudes who are healthy scratches just play. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, I don't have an expectation anymore going forward. This is clearly a flawed, if not bad, football team who is now very hurt and may have very well just given up on the coach, at least for the essence of one game, at least. I yeah, I don't know what else to expect or, or say other Neither than other than you, you don't want to be this negative, but what is there to really be positive about? I, I mean, listeners, I'm asking you, what is the positivity here?
1: The positivity, if I was going to, like, really work for it, is that Sam Mustafer looks like he's at least depth in the NFL, maybe a little bit better than just depth in the NFL. Is he the starting center of the future? Probably not. But, like, with Cody Whitehair moving to left guard, Somebody's gotta, and it's probably gonna be James Daniels, you gotta think, but the point here is that if there is some positivity, it's that the 2021 Bears could be a whole lot better than what we saw against Tennessee and the Vikings in pure nature of it's not that hard to be much better than that, right? And the offensive line, like with Cody Whitehair back at left guard, he looked much more comfortable than he has in any game as a center here in 2020. I thought Alex Bars looked replaceable. <laughs> I'm not about to say he was super positive. And Ifedi, probably also replaceable, especially out of tackle, if not also at right guard. But that left side, Leno, Whitehair, and Mustafer really didn't look all that bad outside of when Leno got crushed by, I think it was Zedarius Smith, maybe Rashad Gary uh, on that sack he gave up there in the third quarter. That was, that was nasty, but that's who Leno is. He is not a bull rush defender. But yeah, that's the positive thing I've got. I guess
3: so the line got the you've got capable backups on your offensive line,
1: line was slightly better. Bears may have found some depth at offensive line in Sam Mustafer. That's it. that's it. Full stop. <laughs> that's, so you're that's what we got.
3: <laughs> I, man, don't that's, laugh at me, Danny. That's don't laugh at it, me. bro. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's looking for something, man. Oh.
1: I am looking for something, aren't we all? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, about
1: that. <laughs> Brandon, if you're or have you looked at the bets this week? Anything that looks particularly nice?
2: Uh, Dave Montgomery to score a touchdown. It'll probably be at plus money. I would take it as soon as it comes out. Probably. Over- well I will I will be taking it as soon as it comes out.
1: You had another pretty solid week yourself, didn't you?
2: I did. I did, yes. Well, there you uh, go. we're hoping uh String string those along. I think Danny did pretty well. Too. Yeah, I, I
3: did. A, I had a had a nice little week. Awesome. Nothing too major, but had a nice little week. I mean, but kind of what I was getting at when you brought up the the lack of impact on pass rushers. There was literally, and it was pretty much where I entered the when I watched Bears games. I get to a full meatball phase at some point if something really just gets to me. There was two separate times where Robert Quinn was tackled by an offensive lineman, and no hold was called. Khalil Mack was clotheslined and then tackled, and there was no holding call. And then they called a holding on a Bears wide receiver. And it's like, what? It just, it felt like there was no consistency in anything. And then Charles Leno got called for holding when he got bull rushed over, which it's technically the right call. I'm not complaining about the call itself. I'm complaining about a lack of consistency in which... It's not being called both ways.
1: It's a mess. It's like how, uh, what is it? Chances are Tom Brady probably gets a face mask on uh mitch trubisky's not face mask call but also watching that thing in like slow slow motion he only like the second guy just barely grasps around the face mask so if you wanted to technically call the whole thing Tiki Tech you're not wrong either it's it's a mess like you're talking about where we are at the point as bears fans we're looking at these games we need those calls. Instead of, it would be nice if we got those calls, and we're definitely not, we can
3: win around those calls. All right, you so know? I guess I'll be the one to ask it. It's prediction time, isn't it? Let's do it. <laughs> hmm. Brandon, why don't you kick it
1: off? Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm
2: betting against the Bears every week. Mm.
3: Don't let the Bears lose your money.
2: Well, if people are following <laughs> along, they're winning money, so I won't feel bad about that. I'll predict they lose 27 to 24, but Dave Montgomery scores a touchdown. Allen Robinson goes over his receiving total and DeAndre Swift goes over all of his receiving totals.
1: All right. So here's how I'm going to predict this because I'm going to do it in a weird way, right? I think the bears lose 23. uh, Let's go. 26 to 17, and I think that stuff happens in the game where some people walk away from it saying, man, if this, this, and that... We would have won 30-26, to but those things don't happen, whatever they are. Like whether it's a fumble that shouldn't have been fumbled but came off of a random play or a tipped interception that just went against us or a dropped touchdown pass. You guys get it. We've been through this. The Bears are are operating. I haven't seen them yet operate at like total offensive efficiency of like above 80%. So, I'm going to say they've got a ceiling here of about 27 points, but that they deliver on about 17 of that. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys and close to the scoring. I got like 27-20.
1: Also, Detroit. pissed off Lions team. Really dying to win. It's hard for me to bet against them. If it was the Bears in the same setting, I'd be like, if this was the teams that had fired the coaches. Honestly, I think the Bears have a really good shot to take this one against an a, a mad like post Patricia uh, Lions. But with Matt Nagy making his final stand and the team having done what it just did last week, it's hard for me to go against a motivated Lions squad coming into Soldier Field.
2: Right. Yeah, I think Detroit's just that much more motivated than the, it, than the and Bears it, it, and it's just I
3: hard don't think people realize the two different morales right now Detroit probably feels like they're on cloud nine they got rid of the tyrant they're they're just it feels probably like the weight of the world's been lifted off their shoulders and the Bears are, pro- are dragging a freight train behind them just trying to keep playoff hopes alive. That's two very different states of mind when you're an athlete.
1: But you got to think that a Lions defensive leader in the midst of the celebration walked into the locker room and said, guys, we're not out of this. We have to prove that it wasn't us. Like we have to beat this team. And you got to think.
3: We all thought that the Falcons were terrible, God awful football team and they've what won four or five since firing Quinn. Four, Do six. I need to
1: dare I bring up the Texans and how much healthier they look as an organization than when they were playing with, under Bill O'Brien?
3: Yeah, I mean it, exactly. it, it sounds really stupid, and everyone's like, "Well, you're millionaires, play for whoever they give you." Well, <laughs> it's not how that works. Unfortunately, humans have emotions and feelings and thoughts.
2: Well, and I think it's it's more of like they're playing every single week for a
3: million dollars
2: so they're like this isn't something new like if if, if we're playing for a million dollars yeah, for I mean, one game said, yeah we're gonna play all three inspired. million
3: bucks for one week of football i'm gonna go bash my brains in for one week let's go right exactly. <laughs> like, yeah like, where is the wall to run through sign mm-hmm. me up it could even be a steel wall i would still try
1: but yeah, either way, I think that this week probably sets the tone for the rest of the season. We're not picking against the Bears because we hate them. We love this team. Why do you but hate the Bears? It's it's a Lions team. I mean, I think you guys are going to agree the whole reason the Lions keep getting picked to win the division in every offseason is because their roster for the last three years has been a lot better than their results. So without the coach, ideally that Man. roster reaches the results a little more, and they're probably a little better team than what, we, than what we've been seeing, at least over the last three weeks
2: well and we we can take a second to laugh about how much money all of the quote unquote sharps have lost betting on the lions every single year because <laughs> yeah. it, it is literally every single year every single Here year i see these it's every year. These sharps and nerds be like oh the lions are the play the lions are the play
3: because yeah, it's year. like it's like religiously they're they're over under for wins is like five or five and a half or six and a half and it's like Dude, take the over take the over and then they'll like they'll be something like twenty to one to win the north, and they're like, "Yeah, play it, hammer it."
1: Like, it's yeah. creativity, like at its finest. The Lions find ways to lose, and they're the only team this season, I think, to get shut out. Right, like that was impressive because that's what the Lions do. But even so, going all the way back to it, maybe you know what. There's a decent chance we could all look like total idiots because the Lions come out and out Lions us, and the moment I'm, that we my have my a little bit of faith in them, them, they come out and lie, or and they just pull another Detroit move and find a way to lose this game. But we'll see. Everything in my brain says Lions this week. As bummed as I am to say I it, I
3: believe last I checked the line for what for all the saying Lions, I think they were one and a half point favorites last I checked, which is in those games. Yeah.
2: No, the Bears are a 3.5. Oh, because
3: when it opened up initially on on Monday, I think I saw it was like minus one and a half or minus one Lions. <laughs> Money came in.
1: Either way, guys, at some point we have to close up the show. This seems like it's good a good place to do it. Any final thoughts to quickly get them out there?
3: Well, you can find me on the Twitter at and 90 <laughs> That's there you about go. it.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. Brandon?
3: At
2: B-Rob NFL, bet David Montgomery to score a touchdown. Why
1: do you hate you, the Bears, Robert? You can uh, you know me. You can find me <laughs> over at Robert K. Schmidt. <laughs> that's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z on my YouTube channel, Run Pass Opinion. And, of course, this, the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel on a week-to-week basis. Yes So, Bears fans, we will see you soon. It's been a weird week and a weird season, but we're all in this together, and we'll get through it. As a unit. So until next time, Bears fans, bear down and thanks so much for hanging out with us.
2: Bye bye.